this morning to our scripture this morning there's a deep temptation inside of me to find some chapter 46 and verse 41 if you know what I mean uh, but we're going to stay with uh, the book of 1st Samuel some of you will get that later 1st uh, Samuel uh, chapter 24 uh, this morning man I wonder if the 11 o'clock service is going to get that faster uh, all right Chapter 24, verse 1 says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And when he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where he was in a cave, Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day which the Lord has put in your, into your hand. Here is the day in which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the, to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also rose, went out of the cave and called to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into the, my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not go out against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good when I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for all that you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the king of Israel shall be established in your hands. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, 
But David and his men went up to the stronghold. Our Heavenly Father, we want to be before you this morning. We are so grateful for your word. Lord, delivered to us from eternity to this day and this moment. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice as it applies to the specific circumstances of our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. How many of you have ever gotten an email? Well, first of all, how many of you have ever gotten an email? Okay, most of you are. How many of you have ever gotten an email from a Nigerian royalty that has got a, a little bit of a problem? They've got millions of dollars that they need to help get out of Nigeria, and if you will just help them a little bit, they will be able to be freed. They will have the cash, and because you were so helpful in this small way, they are more than willing to share a portion of that with you. Anybody ever get that email? Okay, anyone ever... Um, Respond to that email. Uh, if, if you have, we need to talk after the, after, the, after the service. I'm not sure exactly how that conversation is going to go. Last year, $700,000 were transferred to people using that email. Still, all of this time, people are still believing that email. There, there are other emails that are also just as tricky or maybe even trickier. There's another one uh, that comes from a person who is a stranded traveler. And this one is a little bit trickier because it actually comes with the name of somebody out of your contact list. It comes from somebody that you know and they say, I'm here in London, I'm here in Belize, I'm here in whatever part of the world that the email chooses and says, I am stranded, I've had these terrible things happen, and I need $300 so that I can get home. Now that's a little bit trickier because it's got somebody's name. You're like, well, you know, that person does like to travel and, and all those kinds. Of, it's tougher when that person is sitting across the table from you at dinner. You, you don't believe it quite as well. But there is a challenge in all of the thousands of messages that we receive every day, both email, conversation, advertising, stuff that's going on inside of our own head. There is a real challenge for us to figure out which one of these messages are true? Which one of these messages are things that I should act on and that I should follow and that I should do? Because really the question that we're trying to figure out, which things match the will and the word of God? Of all the things that are coming to me, of all the advice, of all the directions, of all the suggestions that are coming to me in my life, which things match the will and the word of God for my life. This brings us to David here. We find him again in a cave. He spends an immense amount of time in caves. Now it's interesting in the last 15 or 20 years as we have had troops that have been fighting in the Middle East, we find that they're often dealing with people who are hiding in caves and they've got to go in there and find them in those caves. And so it's interesting that what we find in this passage of scripture echoes in the very world in which we live in still today. A cave is good for a couple of things. A cave is good for hiding. It's a good place to dig in and hide. A cave is also good, let's see how I can say this, uh, for certain activities that you might prefer a little more privacy for. Now, what happens in this passage of Scripture is when the same cave is used for these two purposes. And David and his men are hiding in the back of the cave. Saul comes toward the front of the cave to relieve himself and more privacy than he had elsewhere. And he says, this cave will be a great place. But in that moment of vulnerability, the message that comes to David 
And the message that comes to David, I think in his own mind, and I know from the text that it comes from the people that are around him, says, David, this is the moment that you have been waiting for. You can take care of Saul right now. Now, here's the thing. I don't necessarily know that David woke up that morning and said, boy, I'm going to have the decision of my life to make today. There are very few times that you wake up knowing Today is going to be the day in which you make one of the most important decisions of your life. But we, we, we never see those things coming. They can come at any single time and place. But how is it that when those moments, those decisions, those crossroad moments come, how is it that we can get those things right? And that we can match our life, we can synchronize our life to the will and to the word of God. It's not always easy. Let's take a look at some things that the scripture tells us this morning. First of all, and this is one that you need to know right off the top here, the voice of God will rarely be the only voice that you hear. The voice of God will rarely be the only voice that you hear. It would be so good if you would just kind of stop in a moment and say, boy, God, I, I need to hear from you today, and just say, everyone else be quiet. I just want to hear God. We, we can try that, but very rarely will that be the only voice that we hear. I want you to see here with David, there's a couple of voices that he hears. One of the voices that I think is one of the loudest voices that he hears is the voice of opportunity. Here is Saul in a very vulnerable, distracted situation, completely unexpected. David has the opportunity to walk 15 steps forward and take care of this problem that has been pursuing him for so many years. And there's a part of it that this voice of opportunity that says, listen, there is nothing stopping you in this moment. No one is going to know. No one is going to get in the way. Here it is. It is set up for you. Here is the, the there's nothing that it's right now, right here in front of you. It is such a strong voice in our lives. This voice of opportunity. Well, I can. I can't. I have opportunity to do this right now. But I would tell you that this voice of opportunity is probably one of the worst matrices that we can make decisions through in our lives. And sometimes we can say, listen, there is an accounting loophole, there is an open bar, there is an off-limits relationship, and I can. The opportunity is right here for me. There's nothing stopping me. But, but I would tell you that this, that this matrix of opportunity is one of the worst decision-making processes that we can because it is limited to just right now. What, what makes sense in this instance. The matrix of opportunity it takes away the possibility or the responsibility for you to look at something and say, I can, but I won't. Well, let me tell you, there are a few things that are stronger inside of your life than the opportunity to come to these moments and say, I can, but I won't. See, too often we go through life saying, I can, so I guess I will. But what's missed in this moment is that every time we say yes to something right now, we are saying no to something down the road. 
And so every time that there's an opportunity, I'm going to seize that loophole. I'm going to pursue that open bar. I'm going to pursue that off-limits relationship. What we're seeing in that moment is just a sliver of what our experience is. And that every time we say yes to one of those things, that it is costing us someplace else. But listen, 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 as David is there in that moment, you've got to know that that calling of opportunity was so loud inside of his head. I can. It's right here. When am I going to be here in a spot like this again? It's right, right, right here. Literally, he can reach out and, and touch Saul, and he, and he does in just a moment. But that's not the only voice that, David has to deal with this in this moment. There's also the voice of the people around him. And then there's the voice of the people around him because they say to him, this is it, David. We've been waiting for this. This is, the, this is what you've been waiting for. This is what you need to do. Listen, our world loves to give advice. Have you noticed that? Do you have some people in your life that give, like to give advice? There's a mathematical formula. Are you ready for this? There's a mathematical formula. I've studied this for years. The less people know, the more they want to tell you what to do. The less they know about the circumstances, the less wisdom that they have, the less they know about the specific circumstances that are unfolding in your life, the further away they are from you. The easier it is they just kind of drop in parachutes and says, well, you know what? This is what you ought to do. Man, have you ever, like, written down all the bad advice that people give you? It is all over the place. I mean, if you were to listen to this advice, it is terrible. But these men come to David and say, this is it. You should take care of Saul right now. Now, listen, here's the advice. David, you are tired of running around being accused of being a traitor. Here's the solution. Be a traitor. That's not good advice. David, you want to become king, so your best way to become king is for you to kill the king prior to you. That's terrible advice that's out there. But that advice swims around, David. That advice swims around us all of the time. The less people know, the more that they say. How much you see in this passage of Scripture, these friends of David that are around him, they even make up a word from God. They said, see, this is just like God said one of these days, your, your enemy is going to be in front of you, and he says, I'm going to give him to you, and you can do whatever you feel like doing with him. Well, you can kind of go back through the word of God. That scripture that they're quoting, it doesn't exist. God never said that. It's like I did. God helps those who help themselves. Sounds good, but God never said it. Not only that, there's a, there's a little bit of a tell that you can, you can know that this isn't from God because it says that, that God has said he's going to give your enemy to you so that you can do whatever seems right to you. Okay, quick time out. God is never going to say to you, here's the setup so you can just do whatever feels right to you. 
In fact, that's the exact opposite of what God says to us. In fact, we've mentioned a couple times about how life had fallen apart there at the end of Judges. And the summary of that brokenness of that age is that every man did what seemed what was right in his own heart. That was the definition of brokenness. And the men are saying, you know what God said? You know, he's going to just set it up so you can do whatever seems right to you. We live in an age that says, do whatever seems right to you. Let me tell you, as you seek to find the will and the word of God for your life, the voice of God will rarely be the only voice that you hear. We have to begin to be able to filter out and say, I hear that, but that's not from God. I hear that, but that's not right. There, there was an old preacher that said, boy, that, that's a lie that's got the smell of smoke on it. Now, I know where that came from. We need to be able to identify that and hear that and recognize that. In fact, it's one of the distinctions between David and Saul. We see these comparisons all the time. But here, David's men say to Saul, David's men say to David, you ought to kill Saul. But David says, I'm not going to listen to that. And then when David talks to Saul, he says, why are you listening to all the people that say David is out to get you? One of the distinctions here is that David had the ability to filter out bad advice. Saul could not filter out the bad advice. In fact, the bad advice just seemed to feed into the, the brokenness of, of what Saul was dealing with in his life already. I also want you to see here uh, from the word, I want you to see here that the will of God is rarely the easiest path in our life. And the will of God is rarely the easiest path of God for our life. It is rarely the easiest path for our life. In fact, Jesus talks about this when he talks about wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to God. And you get to find a nice interstate that's got a good looking blacktop. It's usually not in the state of Louisiana. But did you find one of those, oh, what a great road this is. What a great path. This is all the signs point this way. But Jesus said, listen, the one that just seems to be this wide road that is so popular, that is not usually the one that's right. It's the one that's going to take a detour. It's going to take you on a different path than what you need to go. Now, I want you to see David, he gets this bad advice. He's got this stuff going inside of his head. Now, let me tell you that this decision that he makes to not execute Saul in this moment is a real temptation for David. It's a real struggle for David. In fact, we even see that when he goes and he cuts off this, this piece of, of Saul's robe, and he just cuts that little piece off, just, again, the Hebrew here says, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, is, is exactly what it says here, just to be able to wave this and say, I got you. I could have got you. You know, and depending on how big of that patch was, it, it, it kind of left Saul, you know, with a hole in his britches as he went through the rest of his day. And there's a little piece of that that, that there's, this, there's this temptation inside of David to humiliate Saul in this way, to, to, to just kind of do this. And so there's this struggle inside of his head. And in fact, it tells us that after he cuts off that, that, that piece of the robe, that his heart is convicted about that and says, well, I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't have even done that. And see, 
David has to struggle. He has to struggle with a battle here that, that says, man, logically, logically this makes sense that I do this. I mean, Saul has spent his entire reign trying to kill me. He's brought 3,000 of the best soldiers in the land, and his whole agenda is to search every nook and cranny, every cave that he can find, until he kills me. The logical way in which you defend yourself and protect yourself in that situation is, let's not can end this right here. Logically says it's fair. Now listen, if someone's trying to kill you, then you have every right to kill them. Logically, I think that there might have been a, a question inside of David's mind that remember, this is a gathering of 400 rough dudes that are with him. If David refuses to do what they would have done, are they going to stop following David? Are they going to be so annoyed that says, listen, if you can't pull the trigger on this, then we are done and we are out of here. Now, there's a lot of logical stuff that, that, that David's wrestling with in this moment. Man, that doesn't even begin to deal with the emotional stuff that he's dealing with. Remember we said last week that, that there has been a 20 to 25 year pursuit of David while he is waiting to become, become king and that Saul is throwing spears at him. and trying. 20 years of that. Listen, I guarantee you that, that David has dropped Saul as a Facebook friend a long time ago. Just seeing his face just kind of Man, I'm tired of this guy throwing spears at me. I'm tired of this. And here he is in this moment. And when someone says, listen, this is just like God says. He's going to give them into your hand, and you can do whatever seems right. And David's like, yeah, I've waited a long time for this. Yeah, I deserve this. I, I do this. And so... This will of God, this, this matching our lives, synchronizing our life to the things of God, it's not easy because it logically, it says do it. Emotionally, there's a word that says do it. But one of the signs of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity is that when there is in front of us a choice between logic and feeling, and faith. We choose faith. Even when faith cuts against logic, we choose faith. Even when faith cuts against my feelings, I choose my faith and my belief that God will take care of this in the end. And so David says, I refuse to put my hand on God's anointed because I trust that God will take care of this. And I don't have to do this. I need to take just a quick detour at this moment because I, I believe everything that I've just said about the logic and the feelings and the faith and trusting God to handling it and trusting God to deal with it. Hear me. Hear all of those things. But, but I need to take just a quick side detour that I want you to know that this idea of not ever speaking or putting a hand on the Lord's anointed was never intended to protect abusers in the church or in the home. 
I want you to know this idea that says, well, they're the Lord's anointed. I, I can't mess with that. I want you to know that the law of God is a revealing of the character of God. And I want you to know that in great detail, the law of God says that when someone causes harm or hurt or abuse of a vulnerable person, they will be held accountable and the perpetrator should stand for what they have caused. And so every once in a while, now I'm just trying to give you a broad picture. This is for the rest of your life. This is not anything specific that's happening in, in November of 2019. But there is a pattern where people who should be trusted are unworthy of that trust. And sometimes they can hide behind a position at church or a position inside of a family. I was speaking to a college student not too long ago, and they said, there is hardly one of my friends that doesn't have a story about some youth minister doing things that that youth minister shouldn't have done. And this idea of the Lord's anointed is never meant to protect people who are abusive, or abusers. And sometimes the act of faith that you have to take is that you have to stand up and say, no way. And I'll make my voice heard as loud as it needs to be heard. I want you to notice in this passage of scripture that <laughs> Saul apologizes and confesses for like the umpteenth time. I mean, you you we're reading all the time. Saul says, oh, I messed this up. I'm so sorry. God, forgive me for what I've done, all these things. And once again, Saul says, man, you are righteous. You're more righteous than me. I know that you're going to be king. I'm sorry about all of these things. And then Saul goes home. You notice where David goes? He goes back to the stronghold. He says, that's nice, Saul. I hear you. Appreciate. I pray God does that in your life. But I'm going back to the stronghold. You, you are not a person who can be trusted. I just want to make sure that we have that balance between, listen, we trust God to deal with these things. We trust God. We, we don't reach out our hand and we don't do the harm. But that does not mean that we never stand up and say, that's not right. I believe that the full plan of scripture, the full expression of the holiness of God, his law, his desire to care for those that are weak and vulnerable says we always stand up and say that's not right and we take action on that, whether they carry a title of anointed or not. I want you to see also in this passage, I want you to see that God's way, the way of God, brings God's blessings. I want you to see that God's way brings God's blessings. I want you to see the influence on David's men. When David makes the right choice, he saves those men from being traitors. When David makes that right choice, he stands, and, and even though these guys have got, literally, they've got knives out ready to act, David stands between them and what's wrong. And their lives are blessed because of that. I want you to know that David does become king. And David does become uh, the, the head of the entire nation. 
You don't think that God blesses? The fact that David honored that role of kingship in that way. Listen, as it is, it's going to get kind of tricky when David becomes king and there's going to be a mess. But boy, it is so much easier when all of those people that are coming after David for him to be able to say, now listen, I was in the same place you were, unhappy with the king. But I never acted in this way. And I think that's a blessing to him. I would also tell you, and this is what I'll just tell you in, in general. Every time you and I take a step closer to syncing up our life with the will and the word of God, our lives will be stronger. It just will be. Now, sometimes we'll come to decisions, we'll come to crossroads, and we don't know what to do, and we're not sure how to deal with this, and, and we're not sure what's right. I'm just telling you, whether it's logical, whether it's part of your feelings, and when we take that step of faith, and faith says, I trust God's way better than my way, that every time we take a step toward linking up our lives to the things of God, your life will be stronger in that moment, and it'll be stronger for the days ahead. So how do we link up our lives to the will and to the word of God? I would just encourage you three ways in which you can strengthen that connection in your life, that synchronizing of your life, so that you can identify what that will of God is. The first one is you spend time in his word. You spend time in his word. That, that's his voice. That, that's, that's where you hear him. He put it in writing for us. And we begin to understand the character of God based on what we read in his word. I would also challenge you that if you want to know the will of God, that you spend time in the presence of God. And that is time in prayer. So that we're reading the word of God and then we're speaking to God and then we're allowing silence between those two and just allowing the presence of God to speak into our lives and to strengthen our lives. The Word of God, the presence of God. And I would encourage you to spend time around the people of God. Here in worship, here in a small group Bible study, here in, in, in small relationships with people that you know. This is someone who knows the will and the Word of God a little bit better than I do. And so that as you spend time with them, you can start to pick up what they hear and what they see and how they do things. Your life will always be blessed. The more greatly you synchronize, the more greatly I synchronize my life with the will and the word of God. So what's the, what's the application for us today? What's the, what's the now what this morning? First of all, I kind of want you to fill that in. I kind of want you to hear what the Spirit of God has spoken through His Word through this message this morning. And, and, and I, I kind of want you to just take a moment and say, okay, this is what I heard. Uh, you don't need someone else to tell you what the now what is. You can hear that. So I want you to pay attention to what it is that the Spirit of God has put on your heart this morning. I do want to just challenge you in, in a couple of areas. I want you to think about some of the tension that we find in life Pursuing and seeking the will of God. Sometimes our struggle is in a circle that I'll call opportunity, the voice of other people, and obedience. 
when you get yourself into a spot, into one of those decision-making points, which one of those three is louder in your life? Is it opportunity? I can, so why shouldn't I? Is it the voice of others, all the advice that you get from the people around you? Or is it obedience that says, this is what the Word of God says, so this is what I'm going to do? Another way to take a look at some of that same tension, and you might feel the tensions in a different way, but, but the tension that's maybe a little bit more of an inward tension, it is logic, it's feelings, and it's faith. When, when, when you come to those points, where, how does that wrestling match play out in your life? So I would want you to take a decision that you're wrestling with in this moment, or I want you to hold those thoughts so when something comes up this week, and be able to identify, am I listening to opportunity? to advice or obedience? Well, what's pulling inside of me? Is it logic? Is it feelings? Or is it faith? Your life will be stronger in every way in this day and all the days forward as you synchronize your life to the will and to the word of God. Take it into her side